Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church of Imperial Valley. We would love to help you plan your visit, so we encourage you to visit our website at www.cccciv.org for service times and our events calendar. Or get the app. You'll find the Christ Community Church IV mobile app in your app store for Apple or Android devices. We were taught that the Holy Spirit is a person, not just a force, not just some entity, but the Holy Spirit is a person. And as a person, the Holy Spirit desires an intimate and personal relationship with all of us. He's someone that we get the opportunity to know and to discover and to understand and to draw closer to and to learn more about, right? And so when you introduce someone or when you're introduced to someone, You normally begin by telling them who you are. Last week, that's what we did. We told you who the Holy Spirit is. He's a person that wants to know you that you should want to know. Today, the second question, hey, my name is Chris. I'm a pastor at Christ Community Church. What we're going to do today is we're going to tell you what the Holy Spirit does, how the Holy Spirit works, what his role is in our lives, right, so that we can get to know him a little bit more personally, so that we can delve into really what his work is all about. And this is what blows my mind is that God, the Holy Spirit, He's a person that wants a relationship with us, but he doesn't just want a relationship with us. He wants to work in us. He wants to do an amazing work in us to come in and to cleanse us, to renew us, to regenerate us. But he wants to work through us, in us and through us. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. So let's begin. We're going to take a look at this, and we're going to begin by looking at the Holy Spirit's role in salvation. Because the Holy Spirit has a role in salvation just like Jesus has a role in salvation, just like God the Father has a role in salvation. So Jesus goes to the cross to die for our sins and rises from the dead, claiming victory over our sin. His role. The Holy Spirit has a role in salvation also. And the Holy Spirit's role in salvation begins with his responsibility of bringing conviction into our lives. The Holy Spirit's role is to convict us of sin. Listen to this, John 16. It says this, 16 verses 7 through 11. It says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage. The word means beneficial. It's more profitable or more useful for you. It's to your advantage. It's better for you that I go away. Jesus is saying this. It's better for you that I leave and I go away and that the helper then will come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. The word convict It means to expose. It means to peel away all of the layers, to dig deep down into the caverns of your soul, to pull away the layers of hardness and and callousness, those areas of your soul, your spirit that feel dead, that the Holy Spirit's role in salvation is to dig deep down through all the layers of sin, all the layers of anger, all the layers of frustration, all of the layers of faithlessness, and to reach down into the depths of your spirit and to quicken your spirit through the conviction of the spirit to awaken to the fact that you can be saved. To expose that sin, to take the time to dig, and it's painful. Maybe you're experiencing conviction in your life today. Maybe you're wrestling with this, and maybe you're in a place where where you really are not comfortable with God, but that's the Spirit moving and working in your life. He's peeling away those layers so that He can shine a light in your heart, exposing sin, saying you need to deal with this. 
This isn't what I've created you for. This isn't my best for you. The Spirit has this incredible role in conviction to expose us to our sins. Now listen to this. It says even more specifically how he does this. He, he convicts us of sin because we do not believe in him, in Jesus. He convicts us of sin because we do not believe in him. Listen carefully. The scripture doesn't say that when you commit adultery, when you fornicate, when you're a drug addict, when you view pornography, the scripture doesn't say if you do those things that you can't be saved. The scripture says if you don't believe in Jesus, you can't be saved. All of those other things are forgivable. All of those other things can be cleansed. All of those other things can be made as just as if they never happened through the grace of God. But the scripture says the spirit convicts us of sin, the sin of unbelief. The sin of not placing our faith and our hope and resting in the finished work of Jesus. That that's the Spirit's role. Listen to what the Scripture says in John 3. It says this, and this is condemnation. This is what will get you condemned. This is what will earn you that sentence. This is condemnation that light has come into the world, but men love darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. People run from the presence of the Spirit. They run from the presence of the light. They run from the presence of Jesus because they do not want to deal with their sin. Do not leave this place this morning without dealing with the sin that is in your life. That sin will cause you to be choked out. The scripture says the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And that's what sin is doing in your life if it's left unconfessed. If you do not deal with it, if you do not allow the spirit to expose every layer, to peel away those things. Now notice here there's two separate words. There's the word conviction, which the spirit does. And there's the word condemnation, which happens when the enemy speaks into your life. The scripture is clear and it says in Romans 8, 1, that there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. None of us can be condemned when we're in Christ. But the scripture also says this in John 3, 18, it says, he who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe, you're already condemned. The Holy Spirit is shining a light into your spirit this morning, saying, wake up. I'm trying to expose this. I'm shining a light here. It's like a flashlight to the face. That's what God's spirit is trying to do to you this morning. He's trying to speak to you, wooing you from that place, that place of darkness, that place in the corner, that place that's cowering and hiding, and he's wooing you out of the hiding so that he can deal with that sin, so that he can draw you into the presence of Jesus where you can find salvation and hope and restoration. The question is whether or not you'll respond. Will you respond to that? It says the Spirit convicts us of sin because we don't believe. Listen to what else it does. It convicts us of sin, of righteousness, because Jesus says, I go to my Father and you will see me no more. Of righteousness. We all have to understand that we are not righteous on our own. We cannot get to heaven on our own. We need God to get to heaven. We need Jesus to get to heaven. We need the move of the Spirit. We need to be indwelt by the Spirit to get to heaven. We are not righteous enough to make it there by ourselves. Jesus actually said this. He said, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will not see the kingdom. 
In other words, if you're not holier than the religious leaders of the day, if you're not holier than, than the guys who are transcribing the scriptures, interpreting it, and commentating on it, if you're not holier than those Pharisees, 7,000 strong, whose only purpose, sole purpose in life was to uphold the law of God, every jot, every tittle, every dotted I, every cross T, Jesus said this, this about them, that you're the ones who will strain out the gnat from your soup because you don't want to eat that unclean animal, but you'll swallow a camel. They were so particular on the law. They thought by keeping the law, they would get to heaven. Jesus says, unless you're more righteous than them, you can't make it to heaven. But here's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.21. He says, for he, God, the Father, made him, Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So even though we aren't righteous enough on our own to get to heaven, he sent Jesus to become sin in our place. He became our sin so that we could become his righteousness so that we can make it to heaven. That is good news. That is gospel, friends. Now listen. He also says this, that he came to convict the world of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. The enemy is going to be judged. Satan will not get away with what he's done, what he's stolen, what he's killed in your life, what he's choked out of your life. He will not get away with it. He's going to be judged, but you don't have to follow him. You don't have to experience that judgment for yourself. You can allow Jesus to be judged on the cross in your place so that you can find forgiveness. Why follow him to that judgment? So the Spirit's role, it begins by his responsibility for bringing conviction, but it goes on. He's also responsible for regeneration. For regeneration, write that down. Now, that's a big word. Listen to what it says in Titus chapter 3. It says, but when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, listen to that, not by good deeds, not by how much you tithe, not by how many times a week you help out in children's ministry. That's not how you were saved. It says, according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Did you hear that? That the Spirit's role is regeneration in the spirit of the believer. The Holy Spirit's role is to come in and to bring regeneration into our lives. Now, that word regeneration, it literally means a new birth. It means a fresh start. It means starting over. It's a complete change of life and of character. And that's the Spirit's role in our lives, in salvation. When he comes in, he renews. Understand this, that when God created man, he reaches down, he grabs the dust from the ground. He forms man from that dust, and he breathes, the scripture says in Genesis chapter 2, he breathes the spirit of life into him, and man was made alive. His spirit was birthed. But man had a problem because man went to a tree, the only tree that was forbidden, and he took of the fruit of that tree, and he ate of the fruit of that tree. And at that very moment, man died. The spirit of man died. Jesus was clear when speaking with Nicodemus. He said, if you want to see the kingdom of God, you have to be born again. You have to be born from above. 
Nicodemus is confused. How can a man enter once again into his mother's womb and be reborn? Jesus says, you don't understand. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. And if you want to become alive spiritually, God has to breathe in you his spirit once more. Just as at the beginning, when God breathed into man the spirit, the spirit of life, God has to breathe into you once more that spirit, that spirit of life for you to find life, spiritual life. In Ezekiel chapter 37, Ezekiel sees this vision of a valley of dry bones, dead bones all around, and he questions, can these bones live? He has this question, can these bones live? He says, God, you know, I don't know the answer. God says to Ezekiel, I want you to begin to preach at those bones, And so he preaches at the bones, and the bones come back together. There's a great shaking and rattling, and all of the bones come back together, and these bones stand up, and then flesh and muscle and skin is put over these bones. But they're still dead and lifeless, a mass of humanity, but there's no life in them. They're like zombies. And God says to Ezekiel once more, he says, now I want you to prophesy to the wind, prophesy to the spirit. And he prophesies to the wind, to the spirit, and the spirit of God comes and dwells within those bodies, and the bodies come back to life because God's spirit brings them back to life. And that's what God's spirit wants to do in every single one of you this morning. He does not want you to come here dead and to leave here dead. He wants you to come here dead and possibly, but to leave here alive. Do you want the spirit to come in and to regenerate you, to bring that in, that word renewing of the spirit? It's anakinos in the Greek. It, it means not new in time, but it's new in character, new in quality. It's our root word we find in 2 Corinthians 5.17. If any man's in Christ, he's a new creation. Not new in time, but new quality, something that is unused, something that is spectacular, something that is mind-blowing, something that is at that point yet unfamiliar. I don't understand this, but I have this new character, this new quality. I'm unused. I'm fresh. I'm clean. If any man's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old things have passed away. All things have become new. The old is gone and dead. Everything has become new. Now, listen carefully. The Spirit wants to come within you, wants to come inside of you, wants to regenerate you and re-quicken you, quicken your spirit, but he cannot come into the old person. The old person is dead, has to be dead. Jesus said this. He said, no man wants to put new wine in old wineskins because those wineskins will just burst and all of the wine will be ruined. But when new wine comes, they put new wine into new wineskins because then that wine can be preserved. And that's the case here. The Holy Spirit can only come into the new man. The Holy Spirit will not come into the old man. The old man is done away with, is gone, is dead. And if you want God's Spirit to regenerate you, you have to be made new in Christ. And he'll do it for every single one of you if you call out to him. You see, here's the thing. All across this auditorium, there isn't a single person, not a single one, that is perfect. Raise your hand if you're perfect. Go ahead, raise your hand. Raise your hand if you've been made new. 
You see the difference? God wants to come in. He takes these imperfect vessels. He takes these imperfect people, and he moves, and he works, and he, he fills, and he makes us clean and new and unused. He wants to do that in all of our lives. The scripture says that the spirit is poured out. It's lavished on us. It's poured out in abundance. It's poured out overflowing. It just keeps coming and coming and coming. And when you open your heart to the Holy Spirit, he keeps filling and keeps pouring and keeps lavishing that spirit on you. You can never have enough of the spirit. Never, ever, ever have enough of the spirit. So the Holy Spirit has this responsibility for regeneration, but the Holy Spirit is also the seal of redemption. It's also proof that we have been redeemed in Christ. Listen to what this says in Ephesians chapter 1. It says this, it says, In him, in Jesus, you also trusted, after you heard the word, the gospel of your salvation, in whom you also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Now, what does that mean? When it says that we were sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise, what they would do in those days is if ever there was a legal document that needed to be protected, that needed to be preserved, they would roll it up, they would put a little bit of wax on the crease, and they would seal it with an imprint. And when that document, whether it was a will, whether it was some sort of a promissory note, whether it was some sort of loan, whether it was maybe a deed to a property, when that was going to be opened, it had to be opened in the presence of at least six witnesses in order for it to be opened, in order for that seal to be broken. They would seal shipping containers because it would preserve the authenticity and make sure that when the, the person transporting that cargo, they hadn't gotten into it, hadn't stolen anything. So the seal... It's a sign, really. It's a sign of authenticity. It's a sign of ownership, and it's a sign of security. And that's what the Holy Spirit does in the believer, in salvation. God gives us his spirit as that seal of authenticity. He gives us that spirit as a sign of ownership, that we are now owned by the king. That we once have given our lives over to the things of the world, followed after Satan and his lies, but now we're owned by Jesus, and that seal of approval is on us. He seals us, and that cannot be undone. Now, not only that, it says it's a promise. It's a guarantee for the promise. The word guarantee means down payment. It's a promise that there's more to come. Do you hear that? That the Holy Spirit for us is a promise from God that, yes, this life is going to be different now because I'm dwelling within you, but there's more to come. It's only going to get better. Amen. And that seal is there is that promise, that guarantee to come back, that down payment of that being made. Now, he says it's a down payment, right? There's more to come. He says, he says this, though, Paul does. He says, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. Jesus purchased us with his blood on the cross. He ransomed us, redeemed us, bought us back from slavery, bought us back from sin. He paid the price. And now the scripture says in Romans chapter 8 that even creation is groaning for the time of redemption and that our spirits within us should be groaning, crying out to God, desperate for him to come and to do this. To redeem us in this way. Are you desperate for God like that? 
We're going to talk more about that in a little bit. So he gives us this Holy Spirit the seal of redemption, but also look at your second point there. The Holy Spirit has a role in sanctification. So the Holy Spirit is a part of the salvation process, but then the Holy Spirit has an incredible role in the sanctification of the believer, in the setting apart of every single one of us. That's a big fancy word that says to be set apart. That God wants to take you out of the world and to set you apart and to use you specially and intimately. That God has a plan for you. That he chose you out of the world and he sets you aside and sets you apart so that he can use you. The spirit sanctifies us. He does this work. He does this through giving instruction. He instructs us. He tells us how to come away from the world. He tells us how to look differently. He tells us how to leave sin behind and to come and to walk with him. First off, by being our teacher. Have you ever had a really good teacher? How you, maybe in, in that subject before, you, it just didn't make sense, but all of a sudden when a teacher took interest in you and a teacher could speak to you at your level and could relate to you, all of a sudden that subject was a lot easier to understand. This is the Holy Spirit for us. He's our teacher. And this is what the scripture says, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. It says this, in these things also speak not in our own words. We don't speak in our own words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness to him, nor can he, he know them because they are spiritually discerned. The Holy Spirit teaches us spiritual things. Now, the natural man is a dummy. He is. The mat natural man makes very poor choices. Can anybody attest to that? Some boneheaded decisions. Why did I say that? Why did I do that? Why, why did I make that choice? Right? I mean, even when it comes down to eating too much, why did I have that last bite of cheesecake? It's like enough is enough. There gets to a point. The natural man, the fleshly man with his fleshly desires and his cravings is foolish. The Holy Spirit teaches the spiritual man. And if you want to learn from the Holy Spirit, you have to approach him in the spiritual man. You can't approach him in the flesh. When you come here in the morning and you make preparations, are you preparing your heart to receive truth from God? I mean, when we were in school, that was a long time ago for some of us, I hated school. I don't see myself ever going back to school ever, ever, ever again, right? But when we did, we prepared for tests. We prepared our homework right? We prepared these things. But when you come to church, you just come in like, all right, maybe God's going to speak to me today. Have you done any work? Yes, God wants to teach you. He wants to tell you how to live. He wants to teach you how to live sanctified, but you have to prepare yourselves. You have to prepare that heart. You have to till that heart. She says, this natural man, he doesn't understand these things. Look at what it says in 1 Corinthians 1.18. It says, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. To the natural man, the cross is foolishness. Why would anyone die in my place? Why would anyone love me enough to give his life for me? That makes no sense. It's foolishness to the natural man. But look at this. But to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. What a difference, right? The difference between those two people, the difference between those who are being saved and those who are perishing is the Holy Spirit. 
When the Holy Spirit is teaching, when the Holy Spirit is instructing that individual, it's completely different. Completely different. So the Holy Spirit is a teacher. You guys realize that the scripture, it says this in 2 Timothy chapter 3, that all of scripture was inspired by God. Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. Christ Community Church has campuses in El Centro, Calexico, and Brawley with services in English and in Spanish. Your kids are going to love our kids' church. Plus, we have a lively youth ministry and young adults group. You're welcome to call the church office at 760-337-9400 with your questions. Or leave us a message on the Christ Community Church IV mobile app, the cccivy.org website, or direct message us on social media. We are really looking forward to meeting you. So again, the website is www.cccivy.org or call 760-337-9400 so we can plan your visit.